podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. boys are back uh you know we're gonna get into this uh before we do it you guys know them you guys know love them they help you with your gambling addiction that is mybookie.ag promo code chair for 100 deposit match up to a thousand dollars they've been sponsoring the entire armchair network when it comes to podcasts uh so that means they've been writing with us for a very long time now so if you haven't, get over there and start gambling. Uh, if you are sick and tired of college football, well, I can't I can't relate because I love college football. But if you are, you can bet on literally everything, including Japanese league cricket. If you can bet on that, you can bet okay. on anything. Go to mybookie.ag, promo code CHAIR. You guys know them. You love them. 100% deposit match. All right, let's talk about... That disappointing loss, um, Cats 12, Baylor Bears 31. It wasn't great. Um, before we get into talking about the exact game, I have to get something off of my chest, um, and then I'll, you can say whatever you want to follow this up. You may think differently. I don't know. But throughout the game, uh, I was getting some notifications on Twitter. The show was getting Got one or two tweets. I saw some stuff on message boards. And uh, folks were kind of coming at not only us, but anyone who tried to have any sort of optimism and, you know, were were pimping out and throwing parades after game three, uh, asking if we're going to eat crow. Some people were a little bit more vulgar than that. Um, Before we get into it, you know, we've touched on this topic because we are a fans podcast. I think we both relate to fans. Uh, cause we are them. We're not the media. We get, we ride the highs, we ride the lows. Um, but there's one thing I want to say, and yes, did we go a little over the top? Of course. You know, I think, I think the last two games have proved it. You know, uh, I always was predicting five wins. It wasn't until the Mississippi state game that I started saying six or seven. Um, you know, these aren't even games I necessarily thought we were going to win. I chose us to lose, but folks need to step back from the ledge just a little bit. Because the reaction to this loss, fans were acting like they expected to win the Big 12 in Chris Clemens' year one. And they're spazzing out against losses versus teams that have better athletes, that are deeper into new regime changes. And they're acting like it's the end of the world when these were games four and five under a brand new era of college football. We've been saying it on this podcast. Anyone who has been objective have been saying, you know, since he showed up, this is going to be a rebuilding job. The talent is not there. And it is quite evident that after you get past the first line of talent, anytime you're having to get into the depth, they just aren't there. And that isn't something that can be fixed right after night. 
So it's a, it's it's just a bad look the way K State fans, honestly, in my opinion, were acting on Twitter on message boards yesterday. But guess what? I get it. I've been there. Back when Bruce Weber showed up the, at the very beginning, I was just like that. So I understand. But man, it, it's a it's a bad look, and I think folks need to take a step back and look at things just a little bit more objectively. I know that's a little bit, you know, kettle calling the pot black. I've been in those shoes. But guys, come on. I, I, there's a lot left to be played for this season, and fact of the matter is this is still a rebuild. He was left with 60 scholarship players. I mean, things are probably still going to get worse before they get better, and I think K-State fans are going to be super miserable if they can't wrap their heads around that. So that's why I have to say well, you can add any other commentary to that before we start talking specifically about the game. That was a hell of a rant. I mean, well, it, it, it bugs me. You're I'm, right, though. I, I, I'm sorry, but like, you, you know, and it's the culture of fandom. And I, I whoa, hello. Uh, and I, I've been guilty of it too. And when people have their predetermined opinions, they are going to rush to the extreme when it looks like they might be right and try to make everything black and white. Again, I do it too. Uh, but I guess I, I, I don't understand why some folks almost seemed jubile being able to call out folks who got excited after the first three games. And it really rubbed me the wrong way, uh, getting a couple messages, seeing some stuff directed at me and at the podcast. So I, 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 uh, so I, I got a little steamed, uh, but I just had to get that off my chest. So now, I, sorry, I said I was going to let you talk. You go ahead. And I don't disagree with you. God forbid we... Uh get excited after starting 3-0 and, you know, winning in a way SEC game on the road, you know, what's after, I think a lot of it has to do with just reactionary frustration from everybody because it's taken a quick 180 from feeling high to super low all of a sudden. And of course, yes, this is a rebuild. We all knew that, but we were, there's no way in hell we weren't going to ride that high of starting 3-0. Give me a break. I agree with you though. People need to step back from the ledge. Let's realize, um, what we all actually knew before the season, that this is a team with very little depth and a lot of question marks, and it's going to be a rebuild. It's a new system. We're five games into a rebuild with a brand-new coach. Like it takes, it takes a lot longer than five games. So I'm not hitting the panic button by any means. No, I, bowl, a bowl game is still in play, and uh, there's no circumstances where a bowl game this season – with what this coaching staff stepped into shouldn't be celebrated. Uh, everything, every realistic goal that fans should have had for the season is still in play. So um, we will move past that specific thing. And then one more thing before, again, I, I'm just a bold faced liar before we start talking about the actual game, but man, I, I, I know I'm smart enough to have known this was going to happen if we would have lost the game. But goddamn, of course, there's those weirdos who are trying to draw a correlation between how we play to switching up the uniforms. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 no other fan base can be like this because no other fan base doesn't – like no other college football team hasn't tweaked their uniforms over the last 30 years. But my God, there were seven different threads about it on Case Today Online. There were a bunch of people on Facebook groups. There were all sorts of people on Twitter. Give me a break. Yeah, it's laughable. But okay, now 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 we'll move into it. As always, we will talk offense. Then we will get into the defense, and then end with special teams. 
Um, first and foremost, let's talk about uh, the quarterback play. Um, first off, before we talk, uh, no, we, we will talk about Skylar Thompson, but we'll circle back to the John Holcomb news because that was not out when we recorded our preview episode. So Skylar Thompson, um, you know, let, let's talk about it. Uh, the good. He did hit his career high in passing yards. Again, when you pay, play for two coaches that are so run-focused, um, of course, that's going to be a much, you know, lower bar to clear. Um, and then there was a lot of kind of the same frustration as folks had for the Oklahoma State game. Uh, and I think quickly Skylar Thompson is becoming a scapegoat for the fans that uh, are not happy with, you know, the coaching hire, not happy with the results. I think he's quickly become the easiest target. Um, he went 22 of 34, uh, 218 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, he was sacked six times. Um, you know, there's a, at least five drops. Uh, but again, there were some times where he bailed out a little too quick. He made a couple bad throws. He missed some reads. Um, so he's not without blame. There's no one on this team that's without blame. Um, but I just think that circles back to my initial rant that folks are trying to identify one scapegoat. And I think, sadly, Skylar Thompson is getting the Cam Stokes treatment. What do you make of Skylar's game? And uh, what do you think we need to be looking for moving forward? I thought Skylar played okay. Um, no, by no means am I. Uh, is he like the first thing that I think of about what went wrong today or yesterday with this game? But um, I don't know. He's just got so few weapons to work with. It's tough, and it's tough when you get sacked six times. Um, no quarterback is going to look good after that day. Um, I think it's just uh, – Yesterday really, really showed. At least the last two weeks have really, really showed. Again, this this uh, wide receiver quarter has absolutely no margin for error. I I feel like Skyler can't do much more. That's my that's my thought process on it. Of course, he's got some things he has to clean up, but they're peanuts compared to you know other things that's going on. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think there are a, a few times where he just he feels the pressure to make something happen. Um, and then when, when he's doing that, I he, he just isn't coming through. And I think things snowball, and you can see it out on the field. Uh, again, no one's without blame. He made some bad throws. Uh, there are a couple of those sacks he 100% should have thrown the ball away to save yardage. Agree uh, with that. So, I again, I, I think we've gotten reputations of, you know, being you know, Skyler guys, and I'm not stepping away from that. But he definitely is not without – uh, some blame. He did not play a perfect game by any means, but I, I failed to see some of almost, almost every single time in, in section seven, there's some folks that are yelling, do something, throw something, I, I guess. And then even on message board, some folks who, whose opinions I, I truly do respect and on Twitter, I, I guess I'm, I, I don't know. I guess I just don't see all these, uh, 100% guaranteed touchdown passes he's just choosing not to throw. I, I, I guess I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around uh, why it has become him to be the scapegoat. Now, that's funny, and that's just such a hilarious picture to me. Somebody, some old guy yelling, do something yeah. in the quarterback in the stadium. Like, <laughs> just a hilarious 
pointless thing that's never going to achieve anything. But um, I don't know. I, I, my biggest gripe with him probably, you mentioned it, was a couple times keeping it and not throwing the ball away, trying to keep the play alive. And one play he lost six yards, which caused a third, third and nine instead of uh, you know third maybe short yardage situation. It would have been third and three if he throws it away. So, yeah, he put us in some tough situations a couple of times, but, you know. Shouting "do something" is probably not the right <laughs> move. No, it's it, it's not. But it, but again, uh, you know, you, you do have to make the right play. Eventually, you have to uh, you have to realize that sometimes the best play you can make is the next play. So again, not without uh, some criticism. But again, I, I I think folks need to you know try to look at things a little bit more holistically than trying to dump it all on the quarterback's head. But, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, folks are going to do what they want. Uh, and I, I I shouldn't be telling them what to do, but that, that's just my opinion. We'll, we'll move on to the running backs. Um, again, as a team, only picked up 123 yards uh, on 40 attempts. Granted, all six of those sacks count as rushing attempts on, for statistical purposes in college football uh so that skews it a little bit but even with all of that um not a great day on the ground especially for running it as much as we did um some highlights uh james gilbert picked up 94 yards he averaged 5.2 yards he busted a 29 yard run um some downside on mr gilbert he fumbled the ball twice luckily we recovered each time uh but i think uh that's a concerning sign Moving forward, um, two times in one game, that's just not acceptable. Joe Irvin got five carries, 21 yards, 4.2 yards a carry. He had a long of 12. I really enjoyed seeing him out there. Um, And then Harry Trotter, five for five. I think the Harry Trotter experiment needs to come to an end. Um, I think it's time to go all in on Joe Irvin. And I think Jarkadia Wright is still working back from some nicks and bruises. But I think it's time that those two kind of step up into that running back three role notably uh jordan brown is hurt he did not play uh we may not see him for tcu may not see him for oklahoma although we were saying that you know malik Knowles wasn't even going to suit up for this game so who knows but some of the talk surrounding mr brown is not great um what were your thoughts about the running backs uh, we'll get into the offensive line earlier but or later, but uh, just purely running backs, what did you think? James Gilbert, fumbling issue is troubling. Um, those could have been very, very costly. I mean, not that it really mattered at the in the end of the day, but, yeah, uh, back-to-back games, putting the ball on the turf, you don't want to see that, especially from an experienced guy. Um, really enjoyed seeing Joe Irvin. Uh, he's a lot more explosive than I anticipated. Um, I wasn't at the Bowling Green game, and I kind of just caught it caught it halfway on TV, so didn't really see that from Joe Urban, um, and he looked a lot more explosive today. I feel better about his future. Um, Jacardier Wright, yes, I would I would love to see Jacardier Wright get some get some carries soon, but um, not really. I, I, I'm not as anti-Harry Trotter as you are, but yeah, I guess I would prefer to see us give I guess his carries to maybe another guy like maybe Joe Irvin, and maybe that's kind of what we saw yesterday because he did have about the same amount. No, they both had five carries, so I don't know. 
Well, uh, I think uh, regardless of what we see from the running backs, it, when it comes to that position, maybe above almost any position in all of Team Athletics, they're so dependent on the offensive line. I think, uh, I think sadly, it's the second straight game of the offensive line just not looking good. They were absolutely dominated by the Baylor uh, nose tackle, inside defensive tackle all game long. Um, he was stunting. He was beating people from the inside, outside. The entire offensive line just did not look up to it. And again, uh, and, and this, I think more than anything that I have said on the podcast, I was so high on Connor Riley. And after the first three games, I was trumpeting that harder than maybe anyone in the world. So this is where I probably really own, I, I will own up to say, hey, I was 100% too high, even if you are just riding the highs and lows following your team because the offensive line just, it, it just was embarrassing out there. And, and again, they're college kids. You don't want to attack them individually too much. But man, uh, the disappointment after just dominating in the first three games and then to see these two games versus three men front. And we were thinking, hey, we were able to dominate SEC defensive line that was recruited to stop offenses like ours. We were thinking we we're going to be able to run for 300 yards a game. Uh, and then all of a sudden we have been hit with a massive reality check with the offensive line. Um, is there anything specific that you think we can do to fix it? Or is this just the reality we're going to have to deal with the rest of the season? I don't know. I mean, it's worrying. It's very worrying. It's been just a polar night and day opposite from the first three games. Um, they just don't look physical. Like, we were so commanding those first three games, and we looked the part. You know, we went and we dominated that SEC team. Um, obviously, Mississippi State, and you're right. Those guys were recruited to be big and stronger, bigger and stronger than us. And we went there, and we physically dominated that game. So it left me feeling like, wow, we are, like, really set up to dominate the Big 12 with how defenses will be set up to stop the spread. And, God, it's been the opposite. I don't know. I It's got to be a personnel thing. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but my biggest worry is just how weak they look. Like, it's – are you seeing things that, you know, guys are missing assignments? Because I, there was one one play yesterday where I saw, you know, it was pole a guard, and, you know, he just kind of missed his guy and it cost us a few yards. But – it seems at this point it's just like physicality. Yeah. So what I'm seeing is getting bullied, you know? Well, yeah. So what I'm, I'm seeing, especially yesterday was Baylor's defensive line. were were just getting off the ball so well. And some of the times they were making contact and even knocking down our pollers before they could get into their pole. And then even when they could pull cleanly, the hole they were trying to clean out, they're being met in the backfield by the, yeah. their blocking assignment. Um, and, and it almost looks, instead of them trying to kick them out, they're looking like chip blocks. And that's just not what, I mean, you, you can't get away doing that. They, they're two defensive tackles. So uh, Roy and Lynch, they combined for seven and a half tackles for a loss and three and a half sacks. And that's all coming up the inside. And I was yeah, as big like- on Holtorf and the, the inside of the offensive line as anyone. That is one of the worst performances by interior offensive line that I've seen in my time watching football, and the tackles weren't that much better. Uh, I mean, it was like Mississippi State last year in Manhattan. No, it it truly was. 
we gave up 15 tackles for loss and six sacks yesterday. Just think yeah. about that for a second. Like, over a fourth of our plays were being tackled for a loss. <laughs> no, that's, that's like a third, a third of our plays. Goodness gracious. No, yeah, you're not going to have I'm success. Fourth, fourth. You're not going to have success if you're not winning the battle in the offensive line or in the trenches. I mean, it starts there every time, and it's it's a worrying sign. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just frustrating because it, the offensive line looks so good, and then uh, it, maybe it's something about these three-man fronts because um, Baylor was in that a lot. Oklahoma State was in that a lot. But uh, the scary thing is, is, Almost not probably about half the Big 12 has migrated to that type of a front. And I think Texas and Oklahoma are two of them that don't. So if you're trying to, if, if we're going to hang our hat on that being just something tough to go against, well, that's like saying you can't defend a good passing attack in the Big 12. Because fact of the matter is we're going to be seeing that a ton. Um, so it was, it was just bad. They ate our lunch. Um, we'll move on to... The wide receivers, if you don't have anything more about the offensive line. Yeah, no, we're good. Okay, so, I mean, we've talked about it. Um, plus side, they, the, the wide receivers looked better than they did versus Oklahoma State. Downside, still just not good enough. Um, we, I, I will say Schoen made uh, a handful of really good catches. He got the touchdown. He had six receptions for 69 yards. Uh, Philip Brooks, seven receptions for 69 yards, both very nice. Um, but then when you look beyond that, you know, James Gilbert, Nick Lenners, Youngblood, Wheeler, Weber, Knowles, 2 2 2 1 1 1. When you're passing the ball 40 times or 34 times, that's just not going to get it done. Um, and again, just the lack of a threat downfield and the lack of being able to have a big play. You only had the long was a 27 yard play. Um, it just wasn't there. And then of course, especially early in the game drops were still a thing. And again, uh, I can hear Matt Hall's voice in the back of my head saying, Hey, drops are just part of uh, the passing game. That's just part of football. But man, especially early, we went to Malik Knowles three times. He made one catch. But, man, he had, he had two drops before he ended up getting hurt and not coming back into the game, where if he catches any of those, all of a sudden that momentum on that very first drive is different, and maybe it's a completely different game. And that just can't help but just stick in the back of my head, uh, which I know is, you know, the low football IQ thing to say. But, man, uh, that just it. sucked to start the game. Feel it in the stadium. Um, it changes the tone immediately. You know, we've got – We've got Malik Knowles back. People are excited. And then we target him four times. It was two, three drops, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then he goes out of the game. And, yeah, it's just it, – when you have a drop like that, it sucks the energy immediately out of the crowd. And it kind of it puts a funk already in the stadium. And I, it's, it's tough, man. I, it is part of the game, but it feels like it's part of, a little more part of the game for us. Yep, and that's really where you hope that recruiting can pick up finding some playmakers on the outside. You hope that a guy like Keenan Garber really can develop in this upcoming offseason uh, so yeah. he can be a weapon. But it is a little concerning 
that a guy like Garber can't even get on the field. Cause I had a lot of high hopes for him. Um, so it, it is concerning. And you, you need some of these guys who can make plays because when the offense can't run the ball, if they want to, I mean, we've seen in back to back games, how much we've had to pass. And the fact that just wasn't there. Um, and, and, it, and it really makes you think that, Hey, when you don't have option A uh, and you don't have option B, where can you go for option C? And it's just there is no option C. No, it's it's not good. And it starts in the trenches when we can't run. We've got to revert to passing, and it's just ugh, it's downhill from there because you know we just don't have it, and we just don't have the guys. Yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take a few years, and got it. He's got to get his guys. Yeah, it doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help losing your top possible top two receivers going into the year obviously injury problems with Malik Knowles but it's it's sobering for sure yeah and Matt Hall said something very good in his piece that he published over at KC Online friends of the show over to KC Online subscribe check it out but he said you know what would you expect if I told you you're gonna have to play a big 12 game uh back in the spring and you weren't going to have Hunter Rising you weren't gonna have Isaiah Zuber you weren't going to have uh, Knowles outside of you know one drive and then in the second game you weren't going to have Jordan Brown at all again I I obviously would think well there's no way you win those two games and uh, that that doesn't give an excuse for how we played those games and of course you don't want to just forfeit games but it, it it is really identifying that fear we all had uh, even all the way back in the spring that there is top line talent when you have, if you would have had Zuber, if you would have had Rising, if you would have had a healthy Knowles, uh, all of a sudden, wide receiving core looks great. But you lose that first layer of talent, and you're done. You're, it's over. And fact of the matter is, it's like that every single spot on this team. And, you know, one or two, I mean, we saw what the running backs look like. When it's just Gilbert, you know, I understand Joe Urban's a true freshman. Uh, and I understand that Trotter is who he is, but, you know, you only had one guy really be able to run the ball. Uh, the offensive line, you don't even have any injuries, and that's the performance you had. Uh, it's just it's just scary. I mean, I, I if, if you get one more key injury on offense, I mean, you're going to have to be shooting for shutouts the rest of the year. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. We're in bad shape. But speaking of shooting for shutouts, um, let's talk about the defense. Yeah, before we do, I do want to say our defensive review for the rest of this season is going to be brought to you by our good friends over at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. That is KCDPC. They are a primary care clinic that does not accept insurance, but rather charges a flat monthly membership fee. They do that to keep costs low for their patients by cutting out the middlemen. We hate the middlemen. For most of the patients, that is $65 a month, but there are other options, including family plans. That monthly fee is going to give you unlimited visits with no copay, and those visits, unlike if you're going to some basic doctor's office, can be a 30-minute to, to an hour conversation with your doctor. It's not drive-by health care. They're really going to sit down and help you either prevent some stuff or get to the bottom of what is ailing you. They're also going to give you most basic labs for about $10, all yearly labs free, 
you're going to have discount medications. Most x-rays are only going to be 50 bucks. These folks are the real deal. So go check out EMA Hero Dr. Short and all the other fine folks at Kansas City Direct Primary Care as soon as you can because guess what? You want to live long enough to see K-State fans actually not fight every single time we lose. And guess what? That might be 100 years from now. So go in and check them out to make sure you are in tip-top shape. The link to their website is in the description of this episode. So talk about the defense. The defensive line, um, while there were flashes, uh, and again, I think – I think it's evident that White Hubert really is one of the guys who can make some disruptions. And Jordan Mitty made a couple good plays. And Trey Deshaun made a couple good plays. At the end of the day, they weren't consistent enough on enough plays to prevent Baylor from doing what they wanted, especially in the second half. Um, What did you see from them in the first half? What did you see in the second half? And was there anything that really stood out to you as to why the defense really just couldn't hold up in the second half? I was drunk as hell in the second half, so I'm probably not going to be the greatest expert on the second half. First half, um, God, just that that 99-yard drive was absolutely backbreaking. It was, what, 3-3 at that time? We got him pinned on the one-yard line. Place is going nuts. We almost get a sack for a safety, and then he gets a first down, and then that just gash run, and we just didn't have it. It looked like we were absolutely out of gas. Um uh, it was tough, man. It was tough. I saw a couple, a couple of plays in the second half um, where we were just exposed, similar to that um, 99-yard play drive. But you can't like. I feel like holding to Baylor to what 30, what was it, 31? Yeah. 31 points. Um, if you tell me that going into the season, like. You would kind of expect um, to be needing to score around 30 points a game to be winning. So holding, you know, Oklahoma State to 26, Baylor to 31, and we were just looking like an offensive juggernaut. I would think, hey, that's not so bad, but you just can't. <laughs> the offense is just so impotent that it puts so much extra pressure on the defense. And they hold for a little bit, but they can't hold forever, and you just get no answer offensively. So. It's tough. It feels very hopeless. Yep. Uh, Boom Massey got an official sack, um, had a handful of tackles for loss as a team. They only had seven tackles for loss. But there were a few times where they seemed to, uh, you know, had Brewer pinned down, ready to give him a sack, and then they just didn't have the final product. Um, I think maybe uh, when we talk about the linebackers or safeties, we'll talk about tackling as a whole. But it, it does seem like, Somehow our our defensive line just allows, you know, magicians, you know, to, uh, for quarterbacks from the other team finding ways to just get out of, you know, the the clutches of a sack. And that if you want to talk deflating, I mean, that's where it is. I mean, you think you're about to get them and then either they get rid of the ball or even have a positive play. Um, you got to think eventually that will start to even itself out. Um you think even back to that play you referenced, it was White Huber who literally even a split second longer, if Brewer holds onto that ball, that's a safety, not a 12-yard pass play. So um, they were close. Um, you could you can see you can see it there, and they probably have the most depth uh, 
they rotate quite a bit, but man, it's just you know half second here, you know split second here, a blink there. Um, but fact of the matter is, football's game of inches, all those cliches, um, you, maybes and almost don't win games. I mean, you got to give credit to Charlie Brewer. Oh God, Newman's freaking out. Um, got to give credit to Charlie Brewer in those moments where he's able to find those tiny pockets of space under duress and finding a guy. He did it a lot in the first half. Yeah, absolutely deflating. So we'll, we'll move on to the linebackers. Um, honestly, maybe probably, I don't know, the secondary was kind of disappointing as well. Just disappointing, especially in the second half. Um, you, you, you had you got to the point where you're make, having hopes that Daquan Patton, uh, Eli Sullivan, Daniel Green, that these are going to be uh, guys who can make big plays, that they will be playmakers. Um, when you need a defensive stop, they're going to do something to make it happen. And it just didn't seem to be there. And then uh, I think, you know, as quite evident late in the game, you know, the backbreaker, the the play that really sealed the game, third and 22. Uh, again, this bleeds in the safeties a little bit, but I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Uh, one... Hello? Yep. Yep. I... Are you still there? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Daquan Patton was one of them, but you have three shots to take down a wide receiver to stop him short of the line of the game, uh, keep it within two possessions in that fourth quarter, and then fact of the matter is you just don't tackle. And I think Coach Kleiman said it perfectly in his post-game press conference, or maybe it was with uh, Stan and Wyatt in, uh, after the game, but the secondary and the linebackers are trying to block tackle. They're launching themselves and not wrapping up. And that was the biggest pain point, even going back to that Baylor game last year, that they just don't wrap up when they tackle. And uh, it's going to be a long season if they revert to this every second half every year. Yeah, five tackles between, you know, total between our three linebackers, just not good enough. Um, Missed tackles is so frustrating because, you know, it means you're in the right spot. You're not missing an assignment. You're there in the position to make the play, and you don't wrap up. And it's just like, at this level, it's absolutely inexcusable. But we don't have any other options, so we're stuck. Yep, we are stuck, and uh, we'll move on to the secondary again. Um, very, very frustrating. Baylor has some weapons, uh, especially at wide receiver. Mims and Thornton, I... I mean, those are guys that probably will eventually be playing, you know, on Sunday somewhere. But uh, it seemed like every time Baylor needed to play, they were there. Um, I think my opinion of Walter Neal just not being a starting corner in the Big 12 holds up. Um, A.J. Parker, he's a Big 12 quality cornerback, but he's not an elite cornerback. So uh, when they can just, when he can have decent to good coverage yet still give up a 24-yard reception. It's just it's just going to be a tough night at the office. I thought Wayne Jones had some good moments, but him and Goolsby just seemed to, on a couple times, take bad routes, be a little late on help over the top. And at the end of the day, the secondary, uh, again, played well in the first half, but something happens at halftime, or maybe it's uh, eventually if you have the most talented players on the field, eventually – that talent is going to win out, similar to like it did versus, or versus Oklahoma State. Eventually, they just uh, 
just made plays and we didn't. What did you see from the secondary? Um, what do you think this spells for rest of the season? Um, is there enough talent there to stop some of these offenses? Because while, yes, Brewer, I think, is a top-half quarterback and their wide receivers are top-half quarterbacks, they're not at the top. We're still facing some of the best offenses uh, in the Big 12. Uh, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech starting to figure it out. Um, what, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I think you're right, and I think it really is. God, we just have such a wide talent gap between these teams. It's it's not even funny. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I I'm I think Walter Neal's just not he's not the guy. I'd much rather have uh, I'd rather give a shot to some younger guys. Let's um, further their progression. I just don't think Walter Neal is a good enough corner man. Um, but gosh, we just don't have it, man. We we just do not have the talent. And yeah, AJ Parker, solid. But you're right, even when he's got probably his best possible coverage, he was unable to <laughs> unable to defend Mims. Is Mims number five? Um that it's five or that might be Thornton. Eighty one absolutely shamed AJ Parker as well on the double move on that long drive. Yeah, that was Thornton. Just not good. That was not Thornton. pretty. Yeah, he bit he bit hard. Um but you know what? That's going to happen in the, the the bites on the double moves are going to happen. Uh, playing this aggressive style of defense, we knew some of that was going to happen when we were moving away from you know that umbrella coverage. Um, yeah, just as what it is. Also, Walter Neal came very close to recovering that onside kick um, after we did get our touchdown. Again, ultimately, I doubt it would have mattered much. But man, you would have liked to see him come up with that. Um, but again, I think the secondary, I, I think it really truly mirrors the uh, mirrors the wide receivers where you might have a couple guys that belong, um, but they're not consistent enough and they're just not finding ways to make plays. And then anywhere below there, uh, you might not have the depth, although. I, I think we're starting one of those guys sh- who should not be there. I, I really just want to see more Kevion McGee or even Patterson. Um, I just think those guys have a little bit more of what it takes to be a good corner at this level. So um, maybe we'll see it after the bye week, but I'm not holding my breath. Me either. All right, uh, let's get into uh, somewhat of the bright sides. Kicking, kicking off. I, I You know, I thought – Kickoff coverage was good. Blake Lynch, you know, hit two field goals. Uh, didn't get a chance for that extra points. Um, specifically on the kicking game, did you uh, have any call-outs for our guy, Blake Lynch? Nothing for Blake Lynch. Um, he's been solid. Um, ankle is insane. Well, I mean, <laughs> that... we get to punting. Okay, well, let's move to punting then. I don't have anything to add about Blake Lynch. Okay, we, we can get to punting. Ankle is the best punter in the Big 12. That one that he dropped inside the one was insane. Literally, like, it looked like a pass, a laser beam. He just threw it to the one-yard line. Well, yeah, amazing punt. And what sucks is he had another one, um, but we had uh, a penalty on the coverage. Yeah. I, I think I think it was Edler uh, who came out of bounds on his own and uh, went out of bounds on his own, uh, so he got flagged for that, and that knocked out uh, Landry Weber. Uh, when I thought we had him stopped on the two again, but yeah. um, Ankle really is uh, 
know, he's in he, canon. He is, and he has enough touch on it as well. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he, he can launch him. He, he had a long of 55, and we saw his finesse punts. I mean, the guy has what it takes to punt on Sundays, and who knows, he may find a way to get drafted in the seventh round to keep that draft streak alive. But he truly is uh, probably, when, it, when you truly look at this roster, and it sucks that we're in this position, but he is the most talented guy on this team when you compare him to the rest of the Big 12. It's not close. No, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. He's so, a stud. Yep, so uh, that's a unit. He is a unit. So that was us reviewing all the different uh, special teams units. Uh, now we'll get into grading the keys to be sponsored by mybucky.ag. Use promo code CHAIR for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. Grant, the first key to be you had was regain the trenches. Um, what are you grading that? <laughs> F. I mean, for God's sake, we talked about it earlier, six sacks and 15 tackles for losses on fourth of our plays going for negative yards. That's an F. It was as bad as I've seen our offensive line play in a long time, and the defensive line didn't do enough for me. So, yikes. Yeah, I yeah, not great. I'm giving it a D. I don't know. Okay. I'm giving it a D because we almost got a safety since the trenches include both sides since we almost got safety. Um, yeah, just bleh. And it's over a fourth of our rushing plays on total plays. So I misrepresented oh, okay. that. Okay. Well, like, still, I mean. <laughs> well, it's almost, yeah, it's like it's over, really bad. It's over a third. It's close to half of our rushing plays. We had 74 plays um, and then 15 tackles for losses. So, yeah, oh. but still, it was gross. Uh, mine was get our I, offensive identity back. That's an F. Um Need to figure it out. I mean, got another bye week, uh, got TCU. Um, got to figure it out. I mean, you have to get back to that power running attack because we see that plan B isn't working. There is no plan C, uh, but I'm giving that an F. F for me too. You're right. We have got to figure it out. Um, the games that are going to make it possible for bowl eligibility are going to – be getting smaller and smaller um, the amount of those games so we have got to figure it out well if you lose to tcu all of a sudden your room for uh your room for mar- your margin of error is almost gone gone yeah uh, depending on what you think of iowa state i still think they suck so um i i think it's not completely gone but all of a sudden you know i'm i'm throwing T- or texas and oklahoma's losses already um, so that is what it is. So you, you're looking at TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and KU, and Iowa State. You got five winnable games left. You get rid of TCU. You could lose to KU. Absolutely. Oh, they're all losable. The, like I said, but here's the thing. I so yeah. I I said it in. I've said it for a long time that the only game that wasn't losable was Bowling Green. Um, yeah. This isn't us possibly losing to KU. And again, that's that's a long way off, and they still suck. Um, that isn't anything new. I know people didn't like, don't like hearing that, but fact of the matter is, the talent just is not there to call anything an automatic win. Uh, and again, I, I might have came on, and again, I was I was coming up with scenarios where we could go to Arlington after we went three and zero. Again, I'll own up to riding the highs very high, but folks, go back and listen to the predictions episode. I this isn't anything new. I think everyone knew that it was going to be tough sledding in the Big 12. And guess what? 
Texas Tech is looking good. I mean, they just roasted Oklahoma State at home uh, with a backup quarterback. West Virginia, outside of, you know, that struggle versus JMU and getting demolished by Missouri, they've been fighting. It, guys, buckle up. I mean, it it's going to be a tough run, and it wouldn't matter who the coach is right now. Um, but, you know, I, I have a feeling I'll be able to recycle that rants a couple times the rest of the season. But um, we got to figure it out. Um, your next one was get creative in the passing game. What would you give that? Oh, man. We even brought Chris Heron on and tried to pass to him. Um, uh, he was targeted yesterday. Yeah. I know. He dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> Another drop. Um, gosh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a C minus. I do feel like we got a little bit more creative, and um, I thought Dalton Schoen stepped up and at least tried to look the role of being the number one guy, and I thought he did well. But um, it was still tough to find him, so not a great, barely, a, barely a passing grade for me. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a give it a C minus as well. I like where your head was at on that one. And then uh, the final one, protect well when kicking. Uh, you know, I thought the cover the protection was good. Again, Baylor, uh, they like to block kicks. They didn't block any of ours, so I'm giving that uh, you know an A. I give it an A as well. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up, getting our game ball awards and. Uh, you know, as this season has gone on, you guys know them. You guys know them. They protect your balls. It is BlueChew.com. Do you need help getting an erection? Go to BlueChew.com. They're the first ever FDA-approved chewable uh, prescription that is the same active ingredient as Viagra in Seattle, so you know it works. Full stomach, go for it. Empty stomach, go for it. If you want a little bit of extra help where it counts, visit BlueChew.com. Use promo code armchair at bluechew.com for your first month free all you have to do is pay five dollars for shipping keep it out of the candy bowl when it comes to halloween though because i'm pretty sure you'll go to jail if you give that out to kids so week five game balls uh offensive defensive and swagger sticker no one can receive two game balls you can't get a game ball and swagger sticker just not from the same presenter if you need to make some creative substitutions you can go for it grant you're up first. Who's getting your first game ball? Offensive game ball for me. I'll give it to Phillip Brooks. He stepped up, I thought, in the passing game. Had a pretty big game. Probably the biggest of his career. I haven't, I'll haven't. i probably need to look back, but seven receptions for 69 yards. That is his career. Played pretty well. Yeah, probably. For sure. All right. Uh, my game ball is going to Devin Ankle. He is getting my offensive game ball. Uh, boomstick swagger uh he truly did have a great game punting the ball so he is getting mine grant who's getting your second game ball uh this is tough <laughs> uh i'll give it to wyatt hubert i thought he was you know on par with how well he typically plays um kept kept up the disruption on the d-line i think he is absolutely our best talent on the defensive side of the ball I am going to go. Uh, I'm going. No, screw it. I'm going Blake Lynch. I'm giving him one. Uh, two for two on field goals. Um, he missed one early in the season, but he has been nails ever since. Um, so I'm giving him my second game ball. So I'm special teams heavy. Grant, who's getting your swagger sticker? My swagger sticker is Devin Ankle. Best kicker, best punter in the country. He's, he's great. And I love his swag. He does. He he actually has 
some great swag for a punter. Um, mine is going to go to uh, Jonathan Alexander. I don't yes. really think he – he didn't do anything crazy, but, like, he looks super fresh no. in that white-purple white. He has great accessories. He's bopping around on the field. He's always trying to hype the team up. He's always John at so-and-so. Uh, 100% he, like, for actual swag. Yeah. He, was, he looked great yesterday. He had a, a three armbands on each arm. He looked pretty sweet. He did have a tackle for loss yesterday, so I feel even better about that. So Jonathan Alexander is getting my uh, swagger sticker. So that completes uh, this show. Um, we're going into a bye week, so we're going to get creative. Hopefully, I don't know. Uh, but we're still giving you a show on Wednesday, a show on Friday, and then we'll have something for you on Monday as well without uh, the game in a bye week before we come back and preview TCU. Um, you know, buckle up, folks. You know, th- it's a rebuild. We knew this was going to happen. It uh, doesn't mean there isn't stuff to be accomplished. doesn't mean there isn't stuff that could still happen. And it doesn't mean you can't be critical. But just, you know, think before you speak. Or don't. I'm not a moral authority. I'm not, you know, I'll give my opinion, but guess what? You don't have to listen to me. It's a free country. Uh, You know what? George Washington beat the crap out of the British, so you could tweet whatever you wanted. So uh, do what you want. I'll do what I want. Just don't get mad at me because I got super hyped after the first three games. Uh, Yeah, that's stupid. We love you guys. My advice would be just be realistic. Let's – Use our heads, okay? Or don't. I mean, like, again, whatever. I agree with you. Uh, If you were going to listen to us, I say listen to Grant. Uh, But you know what? Whatever. You don't need someone preaching to you. I'm not your parents. But, hey, it is what it is. We love you guys. Um, Grant, tell anyone whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going to tell them to meet me at the cat head. There you go. All right. See you guys. Bye. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend You could cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in And if you do not want to see me again I would understand I would understand The angry boy a bit too insane I sing over a secret pain
Social Podcast Network.